scripture. This is the third message from this passage as we've been addressing the issue of spiritual warfare. Verses 18, 19, and 20 is where we will look for a few moments this morning as we attempt by the grace and power of God to exposit the word of God in your hearing. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. Let me read these verses in your hearing. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Battlefield Praying is the title for these verses that I've chosen for this morning. Um, Prayer is one of the greatest spiritual resources or assets that Christians have. But it is by it we have instant access to God at any time from anywhere on the planet. From his throne, our Father dispenses his power, he dispenses his grace, he grants his help to all of us who are in need of it. This is no less true as we engage in spiritual warfare. You recall the Apostle Paul in the previous verses has concluded his teaching on the armor of our warfare. Now he turns to the power of our warfare. Our spiritual armor does not work automatically or mechanically. It must be infused with supernatural power from on high. We need the exhortation to pray. We need instruction in it related to spiritual warfare. We need it as we engage in battle on the spiritual battlefield. We need this reminder because we must understand the, uh, the indispensability of our dependence on the Lord. Remember, the apostle began his teaching on the spiritual conflict that we are in with these words. Listen to them again. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, Ephesians 6.10. He lets us know from the get-go we need a power outside ourselves as we engage in this conflict with our infernal foe and his angelic hosts, the fallen ones. What could be clearer regarding our utter need for supernatural strength in our fight when Paul says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Therefore, Paul now continues the theme of our warfare with the topic of prayer. And he talks about prayer of all kinds. You will notice in verse 18, as I read it, and you've read it before, perhaps you've seen it there, in verse 18, the word all is used four times. This is the apostle's way of emphasizing the importance of prayer. In addition to the emphasis on prayer, the alls tell us something else. They indicate how essential it is for the thoroughness and intensity of prayer. Let's look again at the connection of the alls there. There's all prayer, all times, all perseverance, all saints. That's thorough. It's intense. Every believer is to be the, the spiritual oxygen that we breathe. Prayer is accompanying us all the time. We ought to be prayerful. 
And we ought to be in prayer. Sadly, uh, prayer is too often a neglected or rarely engaged in duty in the Christian life. J.C. Ryle, who died in the early 1900s as a pastor, writes, quote, In the Christian life, there is no more neglected duty than personal private prayer. End of quote. Sadly, uh, that was true then, those years ago, more than 100, and, and it's true today. Consider this, brothers and sisters, warfare praying, battlefield praying is part of living the Christian life. Living the Christian life means praying. It means battlefield praying. To fail in this kind of praying when engaged in combat with the supernatural foes, quote, is this, foolhardy and spiritually dangerous. The importance of prayer in our battle uh, it can't be better, I guess, articulated than by Harold Honer. Hear his words, quote, Nuclear wars cannot be won with rifles. Likewise, satanic wars cannot be won by human energy. And I'm kind of going to borrow now from Luther, I think, from his hymn, if in our own strength we were striving, we would be losing. That's the reality. It's the reality. Paul, who penned these words in the book of Ephesians, as you know, he is the one who has given us this teaching, teaching on prayer in these verses. The Apostle Paul practiced what he prescribed in chapters 1 verses 15 through 23 and chapter 3 verses 14 through 21 we see the contents of his prayers and he prayed for the recipients of this epistle he modeled what he admonished he showed the significance of a disciplined life of prayer he understood the profound necessity of prayer. In our text, he is going to instruct us in the characteristics of prayer, specifically battlefield praying. Battlefield praying. Let's then begin to try to unfold what the apostle, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, uh, says to the church, including this one. Prayer and petition. Verse 18, with all prayer and petition. Let's stop there. Prayer, prasuke, is the word, is a, in the original, it's a general term for prayer. Thus, all kinds of prayer. All kinds of prayer is to be uttered uh, by the Christian before the throne of the eternal God, who is, after all, uh, our refuge and our strength, right? <laughs> It makes sense, since he is who he is, that you want to come into his presence knowing that he is your refuge and your strength. So why wouldn't you want to come before his throne and bring before him all kinds of prayers? Why wouldn't you want to seek from him what you need in your particular predicament? Why wouldn't you want to commune with this one who is your refuge and your strength? Well, prosuke, um, here, prayers in general, as, as I mentioned, the Greek term, let's have some examples of prayers that can be prayed. First, think about this. There could be prayers of praise, right? We can extol him 
for his sovereignty, his power over every enemy on earth and in the heavenly realm. We can praise him for placing Jesus Christ over all things for the church. We can offer prayers of thanksgiving. That's another way we can pray as we come with all kinds of prayers, as we have a variety of prayers. Thanksgiving, we can express our gratitude for past deliverances, for his mercies uh, when he met our need. We can thank him when he made, a, as they say, a way out of no way. We can thank him that Satan, though we still battle him and his evil fallen angels, they are defeated foes. We can thank him for that. Prayers of confession. We come before him with the recognition that we failed him and we understand that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we bring before him, even while we're in warfare, even in this life we uh, struggle and trial, we confess our sins. It's not all. There can be prayers of adoration. We can adore him. We express our adoration to our God who is utterly unique. There is no one like him. Can't be anyone like him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As we address God in prayer, we can adore him for his wisdom. We can adore him for his saving plan for sinners and for his control over human history. Do you not know that it's something to adore and praise God for, right? He controls history. He is moving history to a predetermined end. When you get up sometimes and you see things chaotic and all that, just remember who is ultimately in control. And that includes redemptive history. That includes what's going on in the invisible realm where there are angels and fallen demons and where there is Satan. God is in control. We can come before him and pray. And as we are praying prayers like these, we're in communion with him. We're fellowshipping with him. We're then, at that point, uh, occupied with eternal realities. Eternal realities. And that's good in the battle, uh, on the battlefield, when you're in conflict with the enemy, to be able to pray and knowing these realities, these truths. Verse 18, this first part, this first heading that I'm under here, uh, prayer and petition, that word petition, specific request, we can make for our Lord. Oh, there are many times we, there are things that we need to bring before him specifically, right? And say, God, see this, God, deal with this, God, intervene here, Lord, I need you here. You, you come before him, my brothers and sisters need this here, Lord, you bring before him specific requests. And that's part of our communion with him. Let me tell you something. God wants us to pray. Think about this. You know God's omniscient, right? He knows everything. You can't tell him anything he doesn't already know. You don't know yet what's going to happen Tuesday. He already knows it, but he invites us to come and talk to him about it. Why? Because he delights in communing with us, fellowshipping with us think about that there are people in this world wouldn't give you 10 seconds of time but God invites you to come into his presence so we come before him so in our battle against the devil and his fallen angels there's another thing we need to look at in the text verse 18 it says pray at all times let's stop there that word times pray at all times keep praying at all times 
in the Old Testament, the saints of Israel, like David, uh, prayed evening, morning, and at noon. Psalm fifty-five, seventeen. He had those three times a day he prayed. In fact, he was in conflict uh, with human enemies. And so he took out those specific times to pray, evening, morning, and noon. In your journey to the New Testament in Acts chapter 3, verse 1, you recall there uh, Peter and John went to the temple in Jerusalem at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. That's 3 p.m. That was set aside for prayer. They went there for the express purpose of praying. They set aside time. They carved out time for prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Pray without ceasing. What this means is this. Pray persistently. Pray regularly. Have continual fellowship with God. Being conscious of his presence throughout the day. And You need that on the battlefield, knowing he's present, praying at all times. It's good for us to do that. Praying at all times, I think it also involves setting your mind on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your mind on things above, heavenly things, where Christ is, heavenly values. That, that's really important because here in a battle against Satan, we need to have our mentality correct, do we not? We need to have a mind on heavenly realities. Heavenly values produce godly behaviors. Sin will be conquered. We put on the breastplate of righteousness as we're called to do in the earlier part of this chapter. And we understand that righteous behavior is to be our life. And when you set your mind on things above, when you are thinking about the things that God values, the things that God honors, the things that the word of God tells us to do, what that does, it helps us in our fight for righteousness against the enemy who wants to undermine our righteous behavior. Praying at all times. It's important for the believer to do that. Praying at all times is related to verse 17. It says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. How's it related? You see, when you take up uh, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, you are to do so while you're praying. I said earlier in this message that our armor does not work automatically and mechanically. It has to be infused with power. So when you take these up and when you put on the other pieces of armor as you live out uh, these things, you infuse them with divine power. They need to be energized. So you take them and you pray. Further... We want to pray at all times. I'll tell you what we need. Think about this. We need divine insight. (laughs) Do we not? We need divine insight because Satan and his demons are cunning. Satan's crafty. He's been around a long time. He's been around longer than all of us. Our ages, our parents' ages, our grandparents' ages. And their ages in the aggregate. He's been around. He's observed human behavior. He's relentless. He is cunning. He knows us. So what you need, God's power, you need his insight as you do the battle against him. 
and the scheming. Why you must be prayerful. Battlefield praying requires frequent prayers to the Lord. May I can compare it to um, soldiers in the in a military theater. Those soldiers out there are fighting. And they want to stay in constant contact with their commanding general at headquarters. We do the same. We're on the battlefield. Our commanding generals at headquarters, heaven, and we pray to him who is the Lord of hosts, Lord Sabaoth. He commands the armies of heaven. And so we stay in communication with him while we're on the battlefield. And he supplies direction. He supplies strength. He supplies what we need to effectively um, battle and stand firm. So it's prayer and petition. Prayer at all times. Another characteristic of battlefield praying is found again in this verse. Pray at all times. Uh, pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. Uh, let me... Uh, 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 remove some false ideas or a false idea pertaining to praying in the spirit. This is not a, an encouragement or an admonition to pray in tongues. It can't be a spiritual gift and no spiritual gift is possessed by all Christians. If this meant tongues, that would exclude the majority of believers because no one has all the spiritual gifts. But it doesn't mean that. So we can just take that off the table. Get that off the table and keep it off. Don't ever think that's what it's talking about. It's not that at all. Praying in the Spirit is the same as praying in Jesus' name. Offering prayer in the Spirit and in the name of Jesus is to pray according to the will of God. And that's what we want. We want the will of God done in our circumstance, in our life, in our battle. We want our prayers to be in alignment with his will. Prayers out of the uh, will of God that are not lined up with his will maybe could be compared to a car whose front end is out of line. You have ever driven a car and it's out of alignment and you're trying to hold that thing and it's going over there. You say, I don't want you over there. Get over here. And you finally go and spend the money to get them lined up this front end. Well, with when we're out of the will of God, we're like that front end that's veering off to the right or to the left. So we want our prayers to be according to the will of God. That's when our prayers are answered. We can be certain of that, that they will be. The Bible is not cloudy about this. It's crystal clear in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, it says this. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which he, we have asked from him. That's the certainty of answered prayer when we pray according to his will. We don't have to doubt. Uh, as to whether or not he'll provide it, he will. The Bible just says it. 
said it and I just read it to you. So you want to pray according to the will of God. Where do you find the will of God in the word of God? Admittedly, there are times we just don't quite know how to pray, right? Have you ever experienced that? Where you just didn't know what to say uh, to God. You just didn't know how to articulate the need that you're addressing and you're, you're dealing with this issue or issues and you pray, but you really just don't know what to do. Because you're limited. <laughs> and that's not a derogatory remark, it's just human limitations. But thankfully, we have somebody praying for us who has no such limitations. Who knows what we need? Who knows how to pray f- for us in the right way? Romans 8. When we're talking about praying in the Spirit, right? Verse 26, Romans 8. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. By the way, uh, in the same way, he groans for the restoration like the... Um, uh, creation does for the restoration of creation. The Holy Spirit groans likewise. For here it is, what I want to focus on. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. There are no, there's no human language. There's no articulation of, in words about it. But he intercedes for us. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. God the Father searches hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is. What is the mind of the Spirit? He prays according to the will of God. That's what it says in the rest of the verse. Because it intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We don't know how to pray. We don't know how to ask. We don't know what to say. We don't, we're limit, limited uh, in our finitude and our just uh, obtuseness sometimes. Whatever the case may be, the Holy Spirit who lives within all believers, he knows how to pray for us. That's good news, isn't it? He knows what we need. He's going to pray according to the will of God. He himself is God. Jesus is God. And so they're uniform, united rather, in doing their will for us. It is always good. So when we pray, we want to pray in concert with their will, that which is known to us from the word of God. We should be praying what the Father wants, what the Spirit wants, what Jesus wants. That's how you pray effectively. If not, we're praying amiss. To pray amiss, you don't want that. You don't want to pray, and it's not what God wants. You're just vocalizing if you do it verbally, or in your mind, you're just thinking it. And God says, I can't do that. It's inconsistent with my will. So to avoid that outcome, we are to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18. And we're to walk in the spirit and his leading and his power. And we will then be in harmony with him. And when we're walking in the spirit, we're under control of the spirit. Then our prayers can be in alignment with the spirit. Further, we will be drawn into a closer and deeper intimacy with the father and the son. And this will strengthen us as we are in battle. 
That's what you want. When you're in, in spiritual battle, you want to be closer to the Father and the Son. You want a deeper communion with them. You want deeper intimacy with them. That's what we need in the battlefield. So allow the Spirit to permeate you in a sense of every aspect, every aspect of your being fill you, have control over you. Uh, he is resident, but certainly he needs to be president, as someone said. He needs to preside. Be in harmony with him in your walk. Obeying the word of God. Now, the next thing here, with this in view. The apostle, I believe, is talking about this. Um, the necessity of prayer at the moment of attack by the evil one. This is coming. It's coming. Every Christian's experienced it, have you not? So what do we do? Next thing, next characteristic on the battlefield is this. Pray with perseverance. Pray with perseverance. There again, that word all. Uh, we're to pray with perseverance here. And that will include being on alert. Be on the alert. In spiritual warfare, we must be on alert or watchful. There are constant threats. So we have to be watchful. Let me tell you what, Satan's always ready. He is ready to fling his flaming arrows at you, right? His arrows of temptation. Any moment they can come. He is not going to send you an email saying, tomorrow morning at 9.30 a.m., I got an arrow for you. No, 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 no. He's not going to help you get ready. He is working, setting it up, and then tomorrow at 9.30 a.m., boom, here it comes. And to be able to resist, to be able to stand firm in the evil day, as verse 13 advises us in this passage, we must be spiritually wide awake. You can't be asleep. Spiritually. In the Garden of Gethsemane, remember the night of our Lord's betrayal, he was praying and he had three of his intimate, closest disciples with him. And, uh, you know, those guys, just what they were doing, sleeping. Jesus said to them in Matthew 26, verse 41, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Disciples that night, we're in spiritual warfare. And they needed to be prepared. They needed to be ready. And the way they were going to be ready is Jesus said, watch and pray. And prayer is the means by which we obtain what we need to f in the warfare. The spirit is willing, Jesus said. Here's what I believe he is teaching us. The spirit of regenerated people. Because we're regenerated, we want to do what God wants. We want to resist temptation. But the flesh is weak. The flesh, the sin, sinful tendencies, those urges, impulses. As Paul said, there's no good thing that dwells in me. That is in my flesh, Romans 7. The flesh. The flesh is like an uninvited, uninvited guest to a private gathering. They show up. 
You're saying, who told you to come? You weren't invited. The flesh never says, oh, I'm sorry. They're not going to, the flesh will not RSVP. They're just, it will just come. Paul understood this better than anybody. Romans 7, 19 and 20, he says this, For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want to do, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. End of quote. Yes, 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 that's it. It's the problem. Indwelling sin. Satan wants to exploit our weakness. Wants to exploit flesh, indwelling sin. He looks for the unready. He looks for the unwary. He looks for the person, as the old proverbial saying goes, sleep at the switch. You say, where do you get that? Right out of the word of God. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. We must be spiritually vigilant. We must be watching and praying. Peter, in that passage in First Peter 5, 8, uses the image of a lion to describe Satan's destructive threat. Satan, I'm going to tell you what he wants. He wants you to fall into sin. He wants to ruin your life. He wants to mar your testimony for a watching world. He wants to ruin your relationships in the body of Christ. He wants to bring disorder in your home. Satan, whatever he can do to mess up your spiritual life, he will do it if you are not alert, if you're not aware of his threats to you spiritually. He's relentless. Sadly, I, I had a friend who was a gifted orator, a preacher, uh, high intelligence, knew Hebrew, Greek, could move an audience when he spoke. I'll never forget listening to him preach at a baccalaureate service, and uh, some high school girls were moved physically just because of his skill in oratory. He could pack out a huge church. People sit in a choir stand to hear this man preach. Satan, however, got the upper hand. This gifted, and he was even charismatic in the fact that people were drawn to him. He, he was remarkable. He succumbed to Satan's work, destructive work. And I always think, what might have been? What might have been? That's why you have to be sober. That is, you have to have a clear mind. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And Peter is writing this to Christians. He is after us. He wants you. So we have to be Pray with all perseverance. That is persistence, holding fast to. Colossians 4.2 says, be devoted to prayer. Some, the same Greek term rendered perseverance in our text is rendered devoted in Colossians 4.3. That's how we have to be. We have to be. You can't uh, 
hopscotch with prayer. You can't say, well, I'll have a day off prayer. I'll be prayerful today. Uh, next day, not so much. Just persevere. Prayer. Next one is pray for the saints. Pray for the saints. Petition for all saints. It's imperative that we pray for our fellow believers. We're in this battle together. A am I right? There are no lone ranger Christians. We're not on an island by ourselves. We need to pray for one another. In this battle. Self-centered Christianity is a Christ contradiction in terms. Think about it. Christ was selfless. He was others oriented. On the eve of his death, yes, he prayed for himself in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. But his prayer predominantly was for his disciples, the present ones and the future ones, you and me. Among the petitions um, was that the father keep his original disciples from the evil one, John seventeen fifteen. He anticipated what Satan would do and he prayed to the father on their behalf. The reality of satanic attack motivated his intercession for them. It should motivate our uh, intercession for our fellow believers in this local assembly. You recall Jesus had to intercede for Peter because Satan had asked for permission to sift Peter, separate him from his faith. Jesus told Peter about it, but he said, I've already prayed for you. Luke twenty two thirty one. Christ-likeness would involve us praying for fellow believers as we're engaged in spiritual battle. Next thing, pray for gospel proclamation. Paul, <laughs> all this prayer. Then he comes to verse 19. He says, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. He said, guys, pray for me. Include me in your prayers. I'm reminded of the song that was uh, sung earlier. I need thee every hour. Oh, bless me now, Lord. Uh, now my Savior. I, when that was being sung, I wrote the words down. Some of them. And Paul recognized his need. He needed their prayers. He needed their prayers to be an effective minister of the gospel. Think about this. He did not rely on his giftedness as an apostle. He didn't rely on his spiritual maturity and his strength. He didn't rely on the fact that God was using him the right majority of the New Testament. He was not self-sufficient. He understood that he needed the Lord. He was a prisoner. He was in Rome. He was chained to a Roman soldier and he needed to share the gospel. And so he needed prayers that he could do it the right way. He also recognized that he was in a real conflict, even in his circumstance with the powers of darkness. You'll recall that in his commission to ministry, recorded in Acts chapter 26, verses 17 and 18, Jesus told Paul that he was sending him to the Gentiles. And this is what Jesus said to Paul, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among the saints who have been sanctified by me. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Satan knew what the commission was, and do you not think he would target Paul? Yes. 
He didn't want him to share the gospel. He didn't want to keep him, his mouth closed. I'm going to tell you something. Do you not think he targets us? Do you not think Satan doesn't want you to share the gospel? He doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to be closed-mouthed about that. Because he knows what happens. As Jesus has promised to deliver people from Satan's dominion. Satan does not want that to happen. If he can stop it, he will. But here's the problem. We need God to help us do what we ought to do, right? And that's what Paul was praying. So I figured if it's good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. So I say, y'all pray for me. Does that not make sense? If Paul needed prayer, I certainly do. <laughs> and you do as well. So I pray that God would give him utterance. That is, God would give him the words to say. The words to say. Think about this. This is the Apostle Paul who got direct revelation from Christ. He got the gospel from Christ. But he said, pray that God will give me utterance. I need the words from him. Like the Old Testament prophets, perhaps, who got a word from God to speak. And Paul wants this. He wanted to be bold. He asked for boldness. That word boldness, parousia, in the original, and what it means is, is freedom to speak without restraints. He just wanted to be able to f speak no fetters on him, as it were, at all. Because he wanted to share the mystery of the gospel. Mystery there, of course, is a reference to the fact that uh, it can't be known unless it's revealed. And in the, where he was, people knew nothing of the gospel, and he wanted to be able to share the gospel freely with them. And so he says, pray for me that I may do that. Shouldn't we say that? Shouldn't we pray that for all of us who are sharing the gospel? Who have been given the responsibility to take the good news to lost men. Let's pray for one another to that end. That we can do that. We're on the battlefield. You agree? We're going to be on this battlefield until the day the Lord Jesus calls us home individually. Or the rapture of the church. We're here on the battlefield. Don't go in your mind and prayers AWOL. You're not to be absent without leave. Stay on the battlefield in serving and praying. God will use you. Amen. That's where we're to be. And let's be committed to prayer. Committed to prayer. And I say that because I know how difficult it is for believers to be faithful at that discipline. Be faithful to pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the word of the living God uh, that you provide for us uh, on these sacred pages. May uh, what we've heard, what we've seen, from your truth uh, find deep resonance in our souls but expressed in faithfulness and prayer remind us over and over again that we're in war 
we're at war with evil enemies. And help us then to pray and serve with that in mind. Thank you, Lord, that we can stand firm against the devil and demons. Thank you for the whole armor of God. Thank you for the energizing power of prayer. And may we employ it every single day. Experience victory in Christ. Triumph over the enemy. As we live for the kingdom and live for Christ and live for your glory. These things I pray in the name of Christ. Amen.